This is Felix Cavalieri from the Rascals, and you're listening to the Talking Blues. been really busy. I, I look at what's going to happen this year for you and it for this to happen this year, like your book, like your tour, like your album, um, which we'll get into more deeply, but obviously the, you have been busy during the pandemic. Thank goodness. You know, thank goodness for internet and for, you know, uh, available kind of programs such as Logic and Cubase because yeah, this has been quite a quite a spell for all of us, you know, just to have to stay at home. You know, it's uh, it's tough. So this has been a real godsend that I can do music and, you know, podcasts and writing and collaborations online. Did, did the did the book come out of? So we should say you have a book called Memoir of a Rascal, right? Coming out March twenty second, right? Um, did the writing of the book precede the pandemic or did it happen because of the pandemic? Quick story. The Rascals, the original Rascals, did a, a Broadway show called Once Upon a Dream 2013. Uh, it was in uh, Broadway. It was uh, very interesting because while, while we were doing that, we did press conferences and the four members uh, would, would be asked questions. Everyone had a different answer for the same question. It's as if I wasn't even there. Um, I, I mean, it's just, it's just so interesting because I think world history could take a lesson from this because I'm not sure what really happened when and where. That's when I decided to write something because I said, you know, it's not right that, you know, at least let my views or thoughts or recollections be uh, documented. That's how it started. So that would have been a few years ago. So this yes. would have been pre-pandemic. Correct. What did you learn about yourself in going through the process of writing about your life story? Well, you know, I, I, I got a tremendous admiration for people who write books because it was really a lot of work. And, uh, you know, when, it, when it's an autobiography type, you know, I mean, we know, I know all these stories, you know, I've been there, done that, you know, and, and I, I, um, I, I started with a, with a, a sort of like a ghost writer, uh, and, and, and unfortunately that didn't work out too well because he was a journalist and I didn't want it to be sounding like a journal, you know, like a, like an article. I wanted it to be sound like a narration. So that, that's what took me so much time is to kind of like find someone else that could help me do that. But I, I, I noticed the process of, uh, recollection and, and memories, you know, uh, it's difficult because uh, as we go through life, you know, all of us, uh, we, we have ups and we have downs. And I, I didn't really feel like writing about the downs too much, you know, I, I just didn't want to feel like, in other words, we had a fantastic group. I mean, wonderful, wonderful group. We had a fantastic career. However, the negative part of that relationship is, is sort of like a, a divorce would be, mm -hmm. you know, so I said, well, should I, should I tell about the divorce? You know, I, I really went through a big struggle not to have to go through those things. That's what I learned about it, is that I would rather accentuate the positive. I mean, there's been a few songs written like that rather than the negative. However, I don't know. We'll see what the public thinks. 
Um, did anything surprise you about looking the journey of looking back? Um, no, it, it didn't really surprise me. It's just as I say, you know, you 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 go through life. Uh, you know, I, I I studied for many years with a, with a guru from India. You know, uh, uh, Swami Sachidananda, who was the gentleman who opened up Woodstock Festival, and he used to tell us, if you won't, don't want to be disappointed, don't make any appointments. And that's that's what I took from it because I'm a little disappointed. I, I'm disappointed in my uh, fellow bandmates from those days. You know, I just don't like the, uh, you know, the the sort of like the, I hate to say the ending of the story, but the latter years of the story, they're, they're not exactly what what I, what I was hoping. You know, from from our our wonderful career. Because you accomplished so much in such a short period of time. And 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 that and was it's... really a short period of time that we, the band was together for sure. Yeah, five years really uh, was the was the tenure. Because you know, in those days, the the uh, the requirements uh, were much much stricter than they became. Uh, in other words, we meaning the people from the '60s, we did two albums a year pro approximately. Whereas later, as as the artists became more uh, powerful, let's say, they did one album every two or three years. So we worked pretty darn hard, you know, and pretty darn fast. And 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 certainly left your mark with with such great songs that that well, still yeah, well, that, stand that's the, the test good of time. Part of it. That, that's that's really the part you can't predict, and I'm very thankful for that because it's been uh, it's been really wonderful, really great. Okay, I want to go back to those songs in a bit, but can we start um, at the beginning? Because I know you initially started playing well, you were trained as a classical pianist or you you got classical Correct. training tell Correct. me about how much that classical training means to you today and and what it meant to you as a musician well it it it, it means that I, I i learned my craft uh and i learned my craft correctly you know from uh so-called musical theory as well as you know proper proper positioning for your hands and you know, it, it is also very good for people to, if you study music uh, and, and, and you have to memorize pieces, uh, it's good for your brain. It, it expands different places that, you know, like uh, you don't get with video games, you know. So I'm very thankful about having that, uh, you know, uh, my mom, rest her soul, she, she really wanted this to happen for me. You know, she was very, very uh, adamant about me uh, pursuing the talent that you know god had given me uh and, and i had three lessons a week for eight years of my life from the age of five till approximately she passed when i was 13. so i i i really feel that you know the foundation that you have uh, from music training i think classical music training especially is 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 really responsible for me being able to do what i did you kind of got into jazz a little bit later on yeah um maybe even with the rascals but would, would the classical training have been very helpful for that direction? No, not really, because uh, you know the the uh, the strictness of classical uh, gets in the way of the uh, creativity of jazz. Jazz is just creation; it's just creating around you know, like whatever is going through your your mind and your soul at that time comes out in your in your instrument. Whereas classical is is uh, this is what Mr. Bach wrote, this is what you play. 
And uh, I, I, I learned that the hard way because my teacher uh, in those days used to get on my case for making any change whatsoever. You know, you put the left hand down at a little different time from the right hand because it sounds a little echoey and you get you get criticized because that's not what Mr. Bach wanted. And that's one of the reasons why the shift for me was really important because I, 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 I always felt I have to create something. I don't know why. Just that's part of me. Where does rock or pop fall into that? Because in some ways you have the ability to go anywhere like jazz. But when you have the songs that you've written, which is now mm-hmm. etched in everybody's mind and, yeah. and, and things are just, I mean, they obviously they want to hear certain songs of yours played a certain way. Do you, sure. do you feel that restriction? I mean, does it does it fall cl- closer to classical music than jazz? Well, you know, in the long run, it, it's kind of like that. It's very, very interesting that you say that. But, you know, the uh, the freedom, the word freedom, you know, is such an interesting word, you know, and we define it like, for example, in, in, in music, as, as you're taught, as you're speaking, uh, when you become a, a, a recording artist, and you're putting your your product out into the marketplace, there's restrictions on that end, especially in the 60s. There was many restrictions, you know, time, number one. There was also always a lyrical restrictions, which now seem to have gone by the wayside. We couldn't say, you know, uh, let's spend the night together in those days. Right. Now, oh, my God. But there's always restrictions. I, I think that's part of life. You know, you realize, you know, there's a speed limit on your car. You got to wear a seatbelt in your car. You know, I mean, I think restrictions are part of like uh, just, you know, that's part of life. But, you know, uh, jazz does not really, as a rule, have as many restrictions as the other genres. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're kind of free, you know, and uh, that's why some of the jazz that's out there, that's like clinical jazz. It's kind of like, you know, with a drum machine and that's not really jazz, you know. Jazz is, you know, there's an interesting story about, I mean, uh, it was told to me about, the, you know, the School of Music and, and Juilliard, you know, New York City has this phenomenal, you know, music school. It's actually, it's an acting school. It's a, it's a classic school for everything. But they, they did an experiment. I don't know if this is part of the curriculum today, but I believe it was in the 60s or 70s. What they did is they took all, all different musical people, you know, different instruments, uh, and put them in one room. And they said, just start playing. Well, there's no music, so you're just playing. And then after a certain period of time, everybody, I believe, starts to listen to one another and gels together, and it becomes like a magical experience. And then it goes right back down to chaos. <laughs> And I think that that's the story of my whole book <laughs> right there. You know, the rascal started magical experience and then went down to chaos. So it's it's really interesting because of the fact that, you know, that that creative idea, for example, well, I mean, I can speak for, for a long time on it. I mean, a lot of people do sessions, for example. You know, you, you play for other people. Mm-hmm. Well, I always had trouble playing sessions because I, I think too much. You know what I mean? Like, don't do it like this. Oh, but how about this? They, they're, you know, if you're playing keyboards for somebody's session, do what they want. You know, do what you want. You know, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's just an interesting way of thinking. 
It is interesting. When I when I look at your career, I mean, it almost seems like you were meant to be a musician. From from your classical training to joining the doo-wop band to yeah. you know to 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 all the bands that you went through from from Joey D and the Starlighters and then creating your own band. I mean, it just seemed like you were destined to do this. Really interesting that you say that because that's exactly what happened. I had absolutely no idea that I was going to be a musician. Uh, you know, and and I, and I when I, I I used to speak a lot at, at uh, various music schools, you know, uh, and and I would tell the students, you know, like uh, I had no idea. I was in pre med, you know. I was really coming from a, a medical family. And I started a band in, uh, well, I started actually in high school, but I, I ended up with a band in college. I took a summer off. I went to work in the Catskill Mountains, and I never came back. You know, <laughs> you know the, 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 the way things happen, you know, I mean, the story, as you said, is in the book. It's an interesting story because it took me to Europe, and it took me with Joey D and the Starlighters. Uh, the story is that pretty much... Uh, this band called the Beatles opened up for Joey in, in Europe. No one knew the Beatles yet. And that was kind of like the, the, the kind of like event that made me decide, wow, I think I can do this. This looks like fun. I think I'll try it. You know, I had no idea. So I, I really just never went back, you know, to finish my uh, pre-med. So I had no idea. But, but he, did you not have regional success with a song called the Syracuse? Ah, not really. That was just a local product, you know. It was, uh, uh, it, you know, it, it, I, I don't know. It, it actually sold more after 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 the Rascals uh, became <laughs> known uh, than it ever did in in in, in that area. You know, it was a, a record company, a, a very local thing up there in Syracuse. I had a blast doing it, it was the first time, you know. And but it it really was a successful, you know, monetary situation, you know. So so tell me about seeing the Beatles in those days and oh, yeah. and thinking. I mean, they were opening up for you, so obviously, right. your band was a headliner. But what did you what did you see about them that that made you think this this is something worth pursuing? Well, first of all, you walk into a in those days a club, you know, and chaos is there. I use that word again. I mean, people are screaming and like you know, you know. I mean, his not not a normal scream. Not a normal, you know, it's kind of like, a, almost like, oh, I, I, I just, it just felt like they were hysterical. And I, of course, that in itself was unique, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really was as if there was a, a, God forbid, a fire in the room or something. They were just really going at it, you know. Second of all, I see these people on stage with long hair, and I never saw anybody with long hair, females maybe, but not males. Uh, so what I could hear of the music, you know, as as a, a you know, when musicians hear, you know, music, you, you, it goes into a different kind of like calculus place in your brain. So, you, well, I tell you what, when they play American songs, you know, the so-called Chuck Berries, they're okay. I mean, they they were all right. I really thought they were more of a singing group than a playing group. I wasn't that enamored with their playing. And then they played their songs. And their songs struck a real chord because they were so interesting, you know? I mean, just little ways that they kind of changed their rhythmic structure, 
you know, like in other words, dun 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 dun. I want to hold. It was just cool, you know. Little did we know that these musical geniuses were about to take over an entire planet. But you heard something. You 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 said, so is that what they're screaming about? Wow. You know, and then they did Love Me Do, and they did, you know, things that, you know, everybody knew. Uh, not, not that many months afterwards, they came to the United States. And so everybody knew what I was was hearing. Everybody, but it was fascinating, you know. So when they did their thing, wow. But I wonder, in, in your mind, is that what you wanted to be, or did you have something else in mind? And, and already you had experience of touring Europe, and you had... Little. A little bit. That was the beginning. That was the, one of the first shows, you know. Yeah. I just had gotten there, you know. I had a little experience. I mean, basically, my experience was working, in, you know, in fraternity parties and weddings and bar mitzvahs and clubs in the, either, you know, Syracuse or in my hometown of Pelham. You know, uh, limited experience. But I had, I had talent shows, things like that. But, you know, as far as a career in music, uh, that, that was never really, you know, something that I, I, I had really envisioned uh for a number of reasons and you know uh, prior to uh, prior to led zeppelin coming to america the the monetary kind of uh, reimbursement for being a musician was was not that great you know i mean if, if you were looking for you know i, I came from a fairly uh, middle class uh, life you know and you know the bar was pretty high for for me to you know achieve what my dad and people did it was you know uh, th that kind of money was not a available in the music business uh, yet. Too many, and so you know, it, it never looked like a career. I mean, now you can you could you can join a music school and really get a heck of an education for, uh, you know, uh, coming into this world. And there's there's a lot of answers to that question, but mm -hmm. no, it was kind of like destiny. It really was destiny. There's no question about it. I'm consciously, I was going back to school as far as I knew. Even when you had the hits? Well, no, before that. Okay. You know, before, okay. Yeah, before that. Prior to that, you know, uh, I, I, there was a couple of things that deterred me. I mean, like I was looking at the organization that I was with, which I used the term, term loosely. <laughs> Joey D's organization was, was not exactly like a uh, – it, it wasn't like a very corporate structure. Let me put it like that. That's the kindest way I can say <laughs> these guys are crazy. And it wasn't until uh, I was I came back to the United States with them, and and we worked, and and I was exposed to Frankie Valley, and the Four Seasons, that I realized, ah, there's a structure here. Frank Frankie was always a very astute businessman. No fooling around with Frankie, man. I mean, I saw it from the dressing room, like this, he's got it together. You know, and this was a long time ago. This was way before you know the big, the the uh, the Broadway show and all that. This, but I I saw that that there are some people in this business. With all due respect to Joey, I mean I love him. He's you know he's he's become a dear friend of mine. But the structure that I saw was so much more efficient, you know, and so much more intelligently run in terms of this is a business. This is not a playground. You don't, you know, like I say, it, it's advertised, you know, like, oh, rock and roll, you know, all that. But it's a business. You know, if you want to make a living at a business, you better have it together. You know what I mean? Because it's it's easy to just, you know, there's thousands of stories about people spending their, all, all of their money before they even break up, you know. So it, it, was, it was a journey. It, it was an interesting journey. So I read somewhere that by the time you did your first album, 
that you had talked Atlantic Records into making sure that you had creative control or you were behind the right. production of it with the help well, actually, of... actually, it was prior to us even recording because that was, they were the only label that would allow us to do that. You know, we had turned down, we even turned down Phil Spector, who was one of my, you know, I mean, t talk about idols. I mean, I love this man's work. I mean, he was so brilliant, you know. Uh, no, uh, we didn't go with Phil. We didn't go with Columbia. We didn't go with RCA. But Atlantic said, we'll give you creative control. You can produce yourselves. The gift that they gave us with that, besides giving us free studio time, which I'll always, always be thankful for. Give me a laboratory to work in that, you know, like, oh, my goodness. They gave us two gentlemen, Tom Dowd and Arif Mardin. This, these were gifts because of the fact that they were so good at what they did in the studio. And I'm talking about from an engineering point of view, from a creative point of view, from a, certainly from a musical point of view. It's like the Beatles had George Martin. We had Arif Mardin. It was such a joy working with somebody of that ilk, somebody that had that encyclopedic knowledge of, of music at every level, you know. Uh, I'm talking about from Middle Eastern music, you know, which of course he was brought up in, to to classical, to jazz, to you know, big band. So it it, it was just a gift having those two gentlemen, at least in the beginning. And, and and Arif stayed on, you know, for a while. He stayed on until we left the label. So all of those things contributed to to it it, it being like a a, a wonderful uh, experience. But I know that you had experience recording because you had a single before then, but how much studio yeah. experience did you have when you went in with Atlantic? Not very much. But you knew what sound you, you wanted for your band? I knew what sound I wanted. I did not know how to get it, you know, from an engineering point of view or from a production point of view. I, I knew, see, my premise was this. Look, you know, uh, um, the people were accepting us because of what they heard from the stage so in other words if you're signing us for that purpose then let me reproduce it let's not change it you know if it ain't broke don't fix it you know and uh just give me a chance to do that you know and um you know i ran into a little bit of difficulty with my band because i don't know i guess they didn't think we could do it i knew i could do it you know what i mean i i, I just knew you like this well you well you hear this on disc you know because I had an idea, I had a concept, you know. Um, it, you know, it, it may have been all in my mind, but you know, it was a good concept. You know what I mean? the The organ, the organ played a a, a major part in it. You know, it became like and 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 my 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 premise was this from the beginning. When I heard the Beatles, I said, "Look, how about if I get the best singers I can find, the best musicians I can find, put them together." And I had an idea of a sound, just simple idea, very simple, you know, based around, you know, like good musicians, good voices, good songs, and an organ filling the gaps. And it worked. We had a deal in six months from inception, six months, and we were already on Atlantic. So it was, it was, it was pretty fast. But, but I wonder how um, being good on stage, which I, I presume was the, your reputation initially more than anything else, mm -hmm. yeah. how that translated into radio success, because I get the impression that 
radio success or having a hit single is not necessarily the same thing as being a great band. Well, no, because as as I say, there there are certain parameters that you have to you know attain to to do that, and there's a lot of business involved. I, I don't I don't want to you know, you know, in other words, like you have there's a lot of a lot that goes into making a song a hit on a radio mm-hmm. station uh, today. That is magnified by maybe six zeros. <laughs> right. And, yeah, it's a big deal to get on a radio station today. But but it was, initially, was it your goal to say, okay, we're going to go in and record a hit single? Well, that's the goal that uh, you know Atlantic Records wanted. You know, uh, I I don't know that I don't know that I ever had any goals like that. I just wanted to make music. You know, you know, and and, and what was the path? Well, the path was to get a record deal. You know, which you know is is kind of like really changed today. It's evolved into a whole different thing. Well, I've got, I got I can do it on my own. I can put it online. It was nothing like that. You know, mm. we don't have these uh, outlets. So the, the the normal path was to go through a record company to to get on the radio to have a hit record, et cetera, et cetera. That that was the path. So that's the path, you know, that that we 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 went on. You know, we we tried out. And and pretty quickly, you had a big hit with "Good Lovin'." Oh yeah, which which was amazing. It was our second record. You know, prior to that, we did not write uh, for ourselves uh, because that was not accepted in the clubs that we were working in. There was 21 and over in those days, and the proprietors, they they really uh, didn't want to hear anything that was original. Th- their their whole purpose in life was to make money from people drinking. <laughs> so right. you know they wanted to keep the people satisfied and you know dancing and drinking. And uh, top 40 would be the 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 genre that they they were they were looking for to have people come in because you could reproduce with you know what was on the radio that they were hearing they really weren't interested in any kind of like aesthetic you know creation of talent you know like leonard cohen or anybody <laughs> like that you know they they just wanted to get you which is cool i understand it i mean it's it, you know a friend of mine uh, uh wrote a song called it's not the money it's the money you know <laughs> that's, that's what it's about i understand that the, you know? did the success of good love and surprise you Oh really? Absolutely. I mean, it surprised us with the with the the meteoric rise of a song that you put out that becomes number one. But I mean, it didn't surprise me in that, you know, when you play live for people, you get an instant reaction. We always got a re- instant reaction to that song. You can see when people request it. You can see when they jump up and dance, and you can just tell. You know that that's that's a hit. But the extent of the hit, no, no idea. Okay, so now you have the success, and now you also take on writing your own songs. Right. How easy is that? Or not, not at that point, had you written much on your own? Well, I had written. I had written. You know, I, I always, always was creating. You know, uh, you know, putting that to the, uh, you know, to the recording process. No, I had not. I had not done very much. I'd done those songs up in Syracuse. You know, because I didn't have the outlet for it, and I didn't have the studio for it. But I always, always was was creating songs. You know, I was always, you know, it it, it it's just something that really I I always enjoyed, and that's one of the reasons that I moved to Nashville all these years later. Because I, I just like creating. I I like that newness of something that oh wow I just look isn't this great? I love this. You know, <laughs> hopefully other people will. Yeah, right. that's 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 part you really should never suppress 
you know, in, in, in human being, when, when you want to, when, you know, my wife, for example, is a decorator, she's a painter, she's, she's an artist and, and she's really not happy unless she's doing that. So we've got to find outlets for people to do that. So between the years of 66 and 69, like right. you're churning out a lot of hits. Yeah. And, and this is from somebody who hadn't written a lot of songs, but yeah. did you, do you get to a point where you think I know how to write a hit? When you have that many hits, well, you know, to me, uh, there's so many answers to that question, you know. But you know, I I became a, even more of a spiritual person at that time. Can I ask how that? How? Why was the spirituality such a big I, thing in your life? I, well, first of all, I inherited it from my family. My my mom, rest she was really religious. Second of all, I searched out and I and, and I was lucky enough to find this guru third of all are you kidding me we write a song i have a friggin' hit wait a minute what's going on here something is happening that's very 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 divine is the only word i can say are you kidding me we write a song it's a hit it's a hit it's a hit i became very kind of oh, i don't know connected i don't even know the right word but i said this is this is very cool. I had a lot of lot of lot of reasons to you know believe that something was really special here. Rather than saying, "Wow, look at me, man! I'm batting a thousand. You know what I'm saying? I I I, I knew there was something very powerful going on through me or through us or however you want to use that equation. I I, I just I just felt that I felt that happening. Does having all those hits. Is there a negative to that? Well, the the only negative is you got to do it again. Mm -hmm. That's the only negative because you know you hear about this these uh, these these artists that have a huge album, huge hit, and then they have that sophomore fall. You know, following good loving was not easy. You know, and 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 the bottom line is that that happens to a lot of people with success. Now you got to do it again, and again. And again, and 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 that's the only negative of it. Other than that, there's no negative. <laughs> it's just a blast. You, know, you, you think about it. You have an idea. You put that idea down on in those days tape. People love it. They request it. They sing it. It sells. It makes money. Uh, I mean, what is there something to complain about there? I don't know. Perhaps, <laughs> you know. But I haven't found it yet. You know? Okay, so you write these songs, and and. And many hits, like and like as yeah. I said, during that three-year period, maybe even four-year period, you were on the charts more than you were not. Yes. And and beyond that, there are some songs that are so classic. Yeah. That, I mean, there are. I, it's not fair to say they're just as big today, but they they have taken on something else, a, a totally different meaning today, and yeah. they're timeless. Does, when you write songs like that, does it surprise you that some songs don't reach that status while others did? No, it, it doesn't surprise me because of the of the the second part of that word music business. See, it's not just the music. There's a business involvement here. And if if those songs don't get the uh, treatment, so to speak, like if they're if if they're just part of an album, you know what I'm saying? Rather than a single, it's kind of hard for them to 
to, to get into the marketplace. I mean, Beatles are certainly an exception. I mean, my God, everything they did was just magical, you know, hit. But not too many people can do that. And, and you know, it's it's also, you know, like, for example, when, when, when as the business started to get really crowded with artists, you know, when everybody thought this was the coolest thing to do, let me become a songwriter. Now you've got eight zillion songs, you know, coming into the... Uh, into the radio programmer's desk. Now you get into a pecking order. For example, like if, if uh, during the eighties, when I started to try to do a solo career, I would have people come up to me and, from the radio stations and they would say, well, who should I push out of the rotation to put you in? Should I push Marvin Gaye out, Luther Vandross out, uh, Whitney Houston out? Uh, Cindy, who should I push out? Somebody has to go if you're going to come in. And that's the problem. So because there's only so many seats in the church. I mean, that's it. It's full. You know, it, there's so many variables between writing a song, releasing a song, having a hit that I don't I don't even know how people get hits anymore, you know, unless the, unless they, they purchase airtime. And, and were you always conscious of trying to create a hit? Because, I mean, I, I look at some of your albums yeah. in the later days, and, you know, you had gospel tunes, you had soul tunes, oh, you had blues oh. tunes, you had pop tunes, you had a drum solo, you had jazz tunes. Like, when I think of that, like, when I think of yeah. the Freedom Suite album and, right. and just the vastness of the musicality on that album, yeah. was it... Were you but were you conscious of having to have hits, which you did, but the fact right. that you could do a lot more and go to different places? Well, yeah, you know, th this is a this is a question that has come up. Like, for example, when I produce artists, you know, uh, this is a question that comes up when you have a group. You know, um, if I was a solo artist those years. I wouldn't have had anybody giving me pressure to have hits. The record company puts pressure, obviously, because they, they've got a, a, you know, exception of cash going in, injection of cash going into your career. They would like to get it back, you know? Uh, so yeah, they put that onus on you. This is a very, very common thing with artists. I'm sure you've heard it a mm -hmm. thousand times. You know, we want the hits. We want the hits. We want the hits. We want the hits. That, that's, that's put on you, you know, and then, you know, there's always paying rent. I mean, you know, let's face it, you know, I mean, you know, you, 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 but being in a group makes, makes it a little inhibits you a little bit with your, you know, with your kind of like exposure creativity wise and what are you doing here, you know, and that kind of thing. And um, there's so many answers to that question as, as, as the years went by, you know, I, I was asked, and 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 I, and I and I produced a lady by the name of Laura Nero. Mm -hmm. You know, two albums, correct? Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 a wonderful relationship for for her whole, you know, just my whole being. You know, I adored her. She did not give a damn if she sold a record, <laughs> but I don't meet too many artists like she didn't care if. I mean, it wasn't even that she was wealthy because she became well, but she she just. She didn't didn't have that that gene wasn't in her to to make a dollar, you know. So when you worked with her, it was interesting because some of us would like to make a dollar, you know. What I mean? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's so we 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 uh, Arif and I produced one of the albums. Was she was just 
the purest artist I've ever met in my life. But most people, they have that, whether it's ego or, you know, as a, whether it's need or whether it's group effort, that, you know, you, you've got to satisfy the record company, number one, you know, uh, whether you like it or not, you know, otherwise you can go on your own. I mean, I've, I've had this conversation many, many times with people and with record artists. I mean, with record uh, label owners, you know, <laughs> we don't want, we don't want any sermons here. We want hits. Gotcha. gotcha I understand. No. But you were able to do more than just hits. I mean, you were able to provide yeah. hits, but also right. go to many different places. Right. Yeah, I know, but th there was always pressure on. I mean, a lot of times we would do songs, for example, and and the record company would not want to put them out, you know. And and these story, these stories have become legendary. Like people got to be free. They they didn't want that out. They they thought, you know, you're you're shaking, you're rattling the cage here. Don't don't do it. Grooving was another one, even though it was, it was just the fact that we didn't have a a, a drum on it. You know, we had conga. You know, mm -hmm. instead of instead of kit, you know, trap kit. They they have their own opinions, and, and, and that's really what makes the world go around because there's a whole – I'm sure there's many books written about all of the rejections that labels have given to various, you know, million, million-selling artists, you know. No one knows exactly what it is, you know, to create a hit, you know, and, 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 and that's what makes the world go around. So when you leave the band, when the band ends and you become a solo artist – does your approach to music change greatly or are you still the same person just playing it, doing more things that you want to do on your own? Yes. Yeah. It was a big, it was a big part of my life to, uh, you know, I, I really never wanted to go on as a solo artist. I was, I was very content to have a group. Um, although it was a dysfunctional group toward the end. And so it wasn't much fun, you know, but, uh, <laughs> There's a, there's a big difference, you know, there's a big difference, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned, you, you got the pressures and you've also got a camaraderie when you go out on the road with a bunch of people that, you know, like are all trying to, you know, make it, it's fun. It's really interesting. When you go on by yourself, eh, it's not as much fun. It's just a whole different thing from a musical point of view. Yeah. It changed a lot. You know, it changed because, um, well, you know, I, I, I didn't have, I, I had a, a, a different set of tools with me, you know? Uh, for a while, I had my drummer Dino with me, but I, I was I was able to implement and, and bring in more people than just the four of us. See, we prided ourselves with being the musicians that played on the sessions when we made our records. The only the only difference there was was I was originally playing bass on the organ bass, and as the sound quality improved, you know, due to like you know technology. Uh, we brought in a, 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 a bass player by the name of Chuck Rainey, who probably was the best thing that ever happened to us because he was phenomenal. And then so we, we had an addition, uh, addition of bass players initially. Mm. But we didn't bring anybody else in uh, unless we brought in someone to do a solo. You know, I mean, it was it was a whereas, you know, a lot of the groups, the Beach Boys, et cetera, et cetera they, they, they didn't play their own songs. You know, I mean, they they so we prided ourselves with that. But when when the group broke up, that was no longer there. So I could I could expand and really, really bring in some real ringers, man. And these are people who I love that admires. I mean, there was a gentleman by the name of Ralph McDonald, who, you know, was not only a phenomenal percussionist, but he also wrote with Bill Withers some of those big songs that he had. And, and wow, just having him in the room and Alice Coltrane, we brought her into the room and, you know, we, we were able to, to, I was able to really, really spread out, 
you know. And uh, again, there's a big difference. Did you ever think about restarting a different band? Well, we did at the time because, you know, what happened was so, it was unpredictable. I mean, you know, we were, uh, we were what you call free agents, you know, going from Atlantic Records to Columbia Records. And uh, which was a major move for us because the fact that Atlantic had just become Warner Brothers, not that long. So in every, in every country, certainly in Europe and in Asia, we had a different record company. Columbia was Columbia all over the world. That was a major, major step for us. It would have been if we had been able to continue. Uh, so I was really excited about having an international label, you know, rather than a, a, you know, a national one and being, you know, like I say it as a joke, but it's not a joke being, you know, ripped off in every country of the world. Because you, know? <laughs> you had no control over all these little labels that you were with. I mean, that's just how it was. But, you know, when 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 Eddie left, which, you know, was the was the real, you know, was, was was exactly like, you know, one of your tires going left and the rest of your car going right. You know, it was at the it was literally at the contract signing. We were totally unprepared for continuation, you know, without him. I had to scramble, really had to scramble, you know, and put something together. Uh, the Columbia people, they really I won't say they didn't care. But they didn't blink. They gave us this contract anyway. Mm-hmm. So now it was up to me and, and us to put, you know, fulfill the, you know, contract had certain, you know, things you have to provide, you know, such as, uh, you know, albums. It was quite a, um, it was a major, major, major event, you know, in, in my psyche as well as, you know, in, in our career. Because, wow, what, what, do you, what, what do you mean you're quitting? Where are you going? You know, is there some place you want to do a solo album? No, no. I just want to go home. Okay. All right. Well, what do we do here? You know, well, regroup. Let's get it back together. You know, let's let's get out there and 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 do something. I was also curious what when when you went in as the young sorry, as the rascals, but they made you change uh-huh. the name to the young rascals Correct. because yeah, of exactly. the young harmonicas or something. The ra- the harmonica rascals or whatever. That's right. Yeah. Um when you changed it back to the rascals, was there any any was there any concern about changing your name from the Young Rascals? I'm sure there was, but I didn't care. <laughs> I was really angry about the fact that they, they, our manager didn't 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 ask us about the word Young, you know. Uh, name a name. It's kind of na- naming your child, you know. I mean, you know, you name a child, you take a lot of time picking a name, you know. And we had a name, and then somebody put in the word Young, and there was a connotation around that that I tell as a joke now because I've learned to accept my past. But people would come up and say, "Did that little dog have a circle around his eye, or was that painted on?" <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of that. The little rascals. Yeah, yeah. No, it never. We never escaped that. You know, and, 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 oh, no, we're not the little rascals, man. We're the rascals, damn it. You know, and, oh, boy. <laughs> you know, it, it, it happened without our, our we, didn't, we didn't even know the manager changed the name. It, 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 so, sure, there was, I'm sure, like, you know, some people it would say it was a bad business move to change the name. But it didn't seem to affect you. I mean, you continue to have hits and... No, I, listen, we're so lucky because, you know, you know, thank God we had good music because we did everything wrong. <laughs> Does anybody do yes, everything right, though? Yeah. So the music, thank goodness, saved us. What was it like working with Steve Cropper 
and 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 at that once again you you hit the radio chart working with him did you know uh, yeah well you know that's what's nice about nashville you know there there's a kind of like a real easy relationship here with people when it comes to writing you know uh you just meet somebody and of course i knew steve for many years from the you know the uh, stacks Matter of fact, they his people, their uh, Booker T, they they cut grooving. They cut a, a instrumental version of grooving. You know, they heard the song in the studio and they said, "Wow, we're going to put an instrumental out." So I've known him for years. Writing with him was fun. You know, I mean, it was interesting, uh, interesting in 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 the respect that, I, you know, I I kind of embrace technology. You know, I mean, I I have reasons for that, which you know go back to my father the dentist, because I used to say to him, you know, when you retire, the, this equipment is going to the Smithsonian. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not new, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I always had a desire to be up to date. Steve's not like that. You know, when I brought the computer technology to the studio, you know, with the loops and the, you know, it was like, Oh my goodness. There was, it was a, it was a big, big, big uh, interference with his norm, you know, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I just love it. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I see people. I, I, I did an album in in the '90s prior to uh, with Steve Cropper with with a young young a gentleman from a young guy from England. You know, he came in and did a few songs. It was Don was his uh, you know production at that time. And I remember, you know, I, I wrote the, I wrote this song and I was writing it and 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 he said to me, he says, "Okay, have you got something to do for a few hours?" And I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "Well, I like to I like to fiddle with this." He had one of those Kai MP3 things or MPs, you know, those, those. He put together everything <laughs> in a little box. And, and I said, oh, my God, are you, are you kidding me? I mean, this was, you know, it was like magic. Well, Steve, Steve wasn't like that. He's more old school. You know? So, you know, it was fun. It's interesting, you know. That was a great album, though. That was fun. And look at the people we had Chester Thompson on there. You know, I mean, we had that, you know, the weather report drummer, Phil Collins. I mean, see, he lives here as well. You know, that's that's what's nice about Nash. You know, making music, especially when you don't have that onus on you of making a hit and all that. You know, it's it's just great. You know, I mean, if you could do that, if you can do that all your life, you're really blessed and lucky. And and so I had a good experience with Steve. It was interesting. (laughs) Did you ever do anything other than music? Yeah, I tried other things. You know, I was bored. <laughs> you know, I, I got involved in real estate. Big deal. I mean, like, wow, this is fun. Wow, God, this is, I mean, it was I didn't, not for me, you know? <laughs> no, I, I just didn't, I, I, it's, you know, some things interest you and some things don't, you know? So 2022 is, as I said before, uh, a pretty special year in that you've already won the recipient of the Free Speech Music Award. Yeah. Yeah, um, you have a new book that we talked about that's coming out right. Sorry, at the end of this month. It's actually going right. to be coming out. It came out two days before this will air. So, Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. so it just came out. Um, you're going on the Legends Live Tour with McDolans. Right. And you have a new album called Then and Now coming out. Tell me about the new right. album. Well, we came up with this idea. Uh, I think my manager had something to do with it. He, he said, why don't you take five songs that inspired your life, career. Re-record them and write five new ones that shows that type of thread. So we did, you know, and I took songs like, for example, Higher and Higher, you know, by Jackie Wilson and uh, 
Spanish Harlem by Benny King, songs that, you know, really, you know, they, they sang to me. And there's so many that we could do 10 albums like this, mm-hmm. you know. And we re-recorded them. And we uh, wrote new songs. And then, and then again, you know, as you said that earlier, the pandemic hit. But I was able to continue them through the online uh, recording process, which, you know, was good because it was different. But, you know, just like we're Zooming now or we're doing this podcast and, and uh, you know, we're able to do this. So, um, again, had a blast because, uh, you know, it, it came out pretty good. It came out excellent. And, you know, we're going to get that out there and uh, just keep going. I mean, you know, like I say, uh, one of the interesting things about the book, which I should mention if people are, you know, hearing it, they can go to felixcavalierimusic.com and, and get on, you know, get on, get on the list or we do, we're having autographed copies in advance or, but, you know, I thought I had stopped the book a few years back. And then I realized, wow, you know, there's a lot happening this year. I better add another chapter. Oh, I better add another chapter. So we had to stop it. So I don't want to stop. I really don't want to stop. I, I really want to keep going. And, you know, I've traveled the world, you know, with, with my music, and I love it. Let me ask you one final question. When you write the songs that you have written, and once again, these are classics. These are parts of our soundtrack of our lives. Tell me about the relationship you have with the songs that you've written. Well, they're all, I, I, I mean, seriously, it's its like they're children, you know, they're little children there, you know, of yours that you have, you know, prodigies. You know, uh, the, um, the songs have meaning to other people, you know, and uh, I don't know, I have one, one story that I've been repeating. I mean, obviously the people got to be free. Uh, now in 2022 with this horror that's going on in our world, you know, that really resonates right back to me as well. I mean, like, wow, do you think people have to be free? I mean, are you kidding me? This is, this is so sad what's going on now in Ukraine. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, it's a perfect example of what we don't really want to have. Well, sure. That song right now, every time I play it, you know, has, has a, even more of a meaning. So, you know, I, I, I feel that, you know, and then, you know, I'm on my way to Hawaii, uh, in June, which the rascals were huge in Hawaii, you know, and that's where I wrote beautiful morning. So when I go out there, you know, beautiful morning is going to be, you know, right there, you know, right on my list. You know, we wrote a song called my Hawaii, which, you know, was really, really number one in Hawaii, you know, it's just when you travel around the world, like you know, I, I went to Japan and, and you know, I, 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 I had such a great time over there because, you know, I don't have to tell you how, how the people love music. They, they love music, you know. And one, 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 one young guy came up to me and said, I want to be your son. <laughs> you know? Come on. I mean, you can't beat this. Are you kidding me? Somebody loves you like that. Yeah, for sure. What do you say? You know. So you see the joy that you bring to people and it's through the songs and some songs bring, bring more than others. I understand. And, 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 and that's what we feel coming back. We feel that on stage. You feel that. Yeah. I love you. I love you. I love you. Come on. That you could complain about that. I mean, seriously, you can't, as long as that's there, I want to do it. (laughs) Do you still get the same joy out of writing songs these days? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I really like writing songs. I, I like the newness of it. You know, the the new idea. Oh, wow, you know, never heard that before. You know, and uh, there's there's something that's exciting about newness. You know that, uh, you know, yeah. It, it's it's different from you know. Well, this is a this is a, you know, this 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 one has been around for many many years. You know, but how about this one? You know, and 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 you have to keep that that kind of uh, joy and faith in, in what you're doing. You know, they're not all great. I mean, obviously, you know, but you, 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 you think they are, you know, <laughs> but, but there must be others that you've written that you think are so amazing that might not have the hit status, but means a, yeah, well, a lot a to you. That's a different thing. Today, today hit, hit status is, it's almost an impossible word. You know, I mean, there's so many variables now between you and that word. Mm -hmm. Oh God. Yeah. It, it's uh you know, I like I like when, like for example, there was a movie out very uh, a few years back, ten that just only had internet uh, publicity. I think it was like something like it was a, it was like a one camera kind of thing, and it went out there and just it was viral. You know, I mean, that's the thread. You know, because you know, I I I don't know if that exists much anymore. You know, certainly not without the internet. You know, I had a neighbor here. I I moved to Franklin, Tennessee. And uh, this neighbor across the street from me, uh, he was kind of like a, uh, he was a, a Christian artist. And uh, he, uh, he was an interesting guy. His name is Bob Carlisle. You know, and our children used to play together. And, and he had invited me over to his house one time. He says, Felix, would you come over? I got a song I want to play for you. You know, my wife wants me to put it on an album. I don't want to put it on an album. <laughs> and, and he played this song for me. And I had, I had four daughters. I, I tears were in my eyes. I'm listening to things. He says, "Oh my God, that's great!" Well, it turned out to be a multi-million seller called Butterfly Kisses, <laughs> and the reason it did is because some disc jockey on Mother's Day saw it, heard it on an album, and just said, "This is," and it it just spread from that all the way to Oprah Winfrey's television show. If that still exists, it's really tough to get that to happen anymore because of all the Live Nation and Clear Channel. I mean, their playlists are all the same now all over the United States. I mean, it used to be, you know, you went to New Orleans, you heard you know, that music. You went to California, you heard Beach Boys, you heard Birds. No, it's all the same now. It's all been homogenized. The same stores are in the malls, etc., etc. But if that could still happen, I'm keeping writing. <laughs> well, I hope you do. Thank there you so you much for thank doing you. this, and, and thank you for all the great music. Hey, Michael, thank you, man. I, I really enjoyed your, uh, your uh, uh, conversation. Thank you so thank much. Thank you.